Thank you for listening to a Christ Church Showman. This is Jared Sparks, one of the pastors at Christ Church Carbondale. We want to thank you so much for listening, as Ransom said, my son. And we ultimately hope that these are God-honoring. And because they are God-honoring, we hope that they are also edifying and encouraging and, and challenging to you in the best sort of way. Thanks so much for listening. Okay, let's pray. Father, we come to you as needy people. And it's the strong that can admit that. There's an upside-down way that reality is that is different than uh, what seems to be the case so often. And so, God, we come to you admitting uh, we, need your, we need some things from you today. We need strength. We need help. We need reminders of your grace to us. Holy Spirit, we want to be empowered as we meet with our Heavenly Father here today. So, God, I pray that Two big things would happen. We want to glorify you as we've already been doing and sing to you, hear from you. And we also want to receive from you things that we can't get out in the world. God, we thank you for the uniqueness of what's happening here as your people come together to, to meet and, and to worship each other and or worship, worship you and encourage each other. We thank you for what you're doing here. In our world, there's so many things that are evil and dark. And God, we pray that your kingdom, that the darkness would not push back the light, but that the light would push back the darkness. And God, we pray quick or later, we trust in your providential timing on things, but we, we pray that the murder of the unborn would stop in its legal capacity in this nation and around the world. We pray it would be ended, it would be done and over with. And we pray that children would be seen as a blessing and not a curse, not an inconvenience. And we trust you today as we come to your word in Hebrews 11, we recognize that there is a great cloud of witnesses around us, men and women that have been used by you to do incredible things or to suffer well, to stand in the face of opposition and to stand firm in the faith. And we want to be like that. Help us to be men and women of faith this morning. Thank you that you have made us like that and are going to be with us as we move forward. We trust you're going to help us. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hebrews 11, we're going to cover the entire chapter today. And we are nearing the end of the book of Hebrews. We have chapter 11, 12, and 13, and we're covering all of 11 today. And because we're covering the entire chapter, it's one big theme. The whole chapter 11 is about the hall of faith. It's what's called the Hebrews Hall of Faith. That's the sermon title this morning. We're going to cover it all, and so we're going to, instead of diving deep into each verse, we're going to kind of cover paragraph by paragraph. We're going to look at character by character and see what God has done through each one of them. And we're going to get some definitions, and I think we're going to have a lot of fun along the way. You know, it is true that the Bible is Christ-centered. We have to see that. Absolutely make no apologies about it. Jesus himself tells us that in John chapter 5, Luke chapter 24, we recognize that the scriptures are Christ-centered. Every single story does, in fact, whisper his name, as the Jesus Storybook Bible put it years ago. All roads do lead to the cross. Every single passage has its fit, and all of, all of the themes point back to Christ in some way, either pointing us to Christ or pointing us back to Christ. That's what the Old Testament is about. That's what the Torah is about. And so we want to state that and state it loud and clear and never move from that. And we want to state this parallel truth that does not work in opposition to that truth, but alongside of that truth, that there are other heroes in the Bible. Charles Spurgeon said it like this, dare to be a Daniel, dare to be a Daniel. You know, often in our desire to see Christ rightly in the text, in the scriptures, what we do is, and you know, Chandler did this years ago saying, you know, as he's correcting Stephen Furtick, which needed to be corrected. Don't listen to Stephen Furtick, by the way. Uh, Chandler was correcting him on some stuff, and he talked about how you're not David, okay? And it is, a, 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 it is a truth to a degree that the story of David slaying Goliath tells us, it gives us a window into what Christ did for us in redemption. And, bonus, parallel, we should want to be like David. We really should. We want to be men and women of faith. 
We want to look at Goliath and not shake in our boots. We don't want to be the ones behind him that are shaking in the boots. Okay? We want to be Christ-like in the manner that Christ is the ultimate one who slays all the dragons, the dragon himself, and all of our enemies. We also want to be Christ-like. We want to be men and women of courage. We don't want to be fearful. So we're going to see a huge list of names today. And when we think about names of people we know that are godly men and women, we recognize in our life, even in our era, that there are men and women in the world that we would like to be like. You know, I would like to emulate that man's life. I want to be like that man. He's got character. He's got courage. He's got strength. He's the kind of man I want to be like. Ladies, you look to somebody like an Elizabeth Elliot or somebody like Nancy Wilson, and you think about the books that they've written and the podcasts that they have, the, the lectures that you've heard, the books they've written, you read them and you're like, I, I, I want to be like this. And, and praise God. We want to be like godly men and women. When we look in the scriptures today, we don't want to take away from the work of Christ at all, but we do want to step into Christ-likeness. And as we look at the character of these men and women in the Old Testament, they are walking in the ways of faith, believing God's promises, believing God's word, believing that God is going to come through for them in the way God is in the way God as Father says He will come through for them. And so we're going to see it here today. We want to be like this, men and women of faith. We read these names. There are going to be some names you, you, you read and you think about them in the Scriptures and you think, man, there was more blunders than victories in their life. And that's going to be the case. You read this list of names and you see amazing things happen in and through them that God does. But then you think about other seasons of their life and you realize that they, in fact, are not Jesus. Jesus really is the only perfect one. But when we read these when we read these lists here today, we're going to see, you know what? These are normal men and women. They're just like us. We're just like them. It's not that they're superheroes. They're normal, average people who've been created in the image of God, who express the faith that God gave them, and we're going to read about them here today. And we, by the grace of God, can follow in their footsteps. But let's first get faith defined. Now, faith, verse 1, chapter 11, faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the convictions of things not seen. Yes, things not seen. Thank you, Chris. Verse 2. For by it, the people of old received their commendation or approval. And by faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. Faith defined. This is what faith is. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. I'm hoping for things that are out there, things that God has declared to be true. And I'm assured... That that's true. So whatever he says is true. That's what God says. That's what faith is. Assurance of things hoped for. I have a certain hope of eternity. It's not a hope that's a, a maybe kind of hope. Faith is my eternity is secure. I know it. And I have faith in that. I'm assured of it. Of what's coming. For the conviction of things not seen. I don't see it yet. Whatever the promises of God are. Whatever the word of God is. I don't necessarily see it yet, but I believe it and I'm certain about it. This is what faith is. Trusting the word of God. What he says is true is true and believing that. That is faith. It's the conviction of those things that are not seen. And that's what we're going to be talking about. We are assured of the promises of God. Now, chapter 12, verse 1 tells us where faith comes from. Lest we believe that faith is something like vain belief or just general belief and a series of facts... You maybe have heard this before, that salvation is like trusting, if this is a chair, it's like trusting this chair. I saw this really funny video uh, floating around YouTube, and it was a guy talking about, here's what faith is. Faith is believing this chair is going to work. And he sat in the chair, and the chair broke and fell over sideways. <laughs> he just went tumbling over. It was awesome. Um, but but faith is it's so much different than just a belief that something, you know, like, okay, this step will, this is not faith. Okay, this is not what we're talking about, faith here. It's a very natural, natural human being with the common grace of God, just in general, uh, uh, you know, assessment of facts and how the laws of gravity and everything works, can understand that you can sit in a chair and believe that the chair is going to hold you. That's not biblical faith. Biblical faith is something supernatural that no human being has access to. No human being has the ability to have faith. Faith is a gift from heaven. It's the wisdom from above implanted inside the heart of a human being. Chapter 12, verse 1 says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us hold fast. Um, excuse me, I got the wrong verse. Um, yes, okay, verse 2, sorry. Looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith. 
we look to Jesus, who is the founder and the perfecter of our faith. I didn't find my faith, and I don't perfect my faith. Jesus gave it to me, and he perfects it. Same thing with you. So anybody who has true saving faith doesn't, doesn't have it because they found it, got it, or achieved it. They have it because God gave it. Jesus is the founder and the perfecter of our faith. As we're growing in our relationship with the Lord, and we're walking with Christ, and learning how to live and obey the Word of God... Okay, it's Jesus who is perfecting that faith inside of us. That's not me figuring things out in my life in a way that somebody else isn't figuring, figuring it out in their life. Faith is God-given. But it is this God-given faith that really is expressed by human beings. Meaning, if God gives you faith, you, it's you who are expressing it. It's a gift from God. Uh, one theologian said it like this, that God... God can work in us and give us the, to do, he can give us the ability to do something we don't have the ability to do. And when we do that, okay, he said, God can cause us to willingly choose him. He causes, he does something inside of us that breaks, breaks the bondage and sets us free. It, it does something inside of us that it's causative. It causes some things to happen in our life. When God gives faith, we express that faith. And when we express that faith, God does some amazing faith, things. And by that faith, the Old Testament saints re- receive their condom- com- commendation or their approval. And we're going to look at a huge long list then of Old Testament saints. And we're going to see this united people of God across testaments who are living by faith. Trusting God. Believing His promises. Having courage to stand in the face of opposition. And we're going to see that saving faith really does have its effect in the life of God's people all throughout the Old Testament. Saving faith in action. And we need to learn from them, and we need to live in such a way to accordance with the faith that God gives. We live by faith, because we too live by faith. That's how we live. It's not just this list of heroes that lives by faith. That's how we are called to live. Verse 3 says, by faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God. This is not just about them, it's also about us. By faith we the author connects this and, and wants us to make the connection that the, what we're reading about, what we're going to hear about, has expression in our life as well. We are called to live by faith, not just the people of old. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God. God created all things with his word. He spoke and it came into being. And God created everything from nothing. And we really believe that as Christians. And we're not ashamed of it and we're not embarrassed by it. This is one simple thing that people make complicated and then Christians get a little bit shaky about and nervous about because we want to be accepted in the social sciences or we want to be accepted by whoever it may be in the academic world. And in academia, if you believe this, you're looked at and and really mocked. But Christians, the default expectation is that Christians just believe that God created everything out of nothing. This is the basics. Some of the basics of what it means to be a person of faith is to believe, like the Old Testament saints who are living by faith, that we by faith believe that God created everything out of nothing. Creatio ex nihilo. Latin for creation out of nothing. I don't know Latin, but there for a second. I had you guessing. This is faith. We believe... That God created. Now, when we think about the alternative, real quick, it's interesting. The alternative to believing that God created out of everything is not to believe in, in faith in something else, but it is to believe that unintelligent matter was not created and that unintelligent matter has a way of, instead of uh, having entropy over time, which is the second law of thermodynamics, if you read the second law of thermodynamics, the second law states that there is a natural tendency in any system to degenerate or to have entropy over time. It doesn't get more complicated, more complex. It gets less complicated and less complex because everything is breaking down into a more disordered state. And yet, the alternative to believing that God created out of everything is that everything has existed without need of creation and unintelligent matter created itself, got more complex, got more diverse. It had the ability to do something without a mind, Without intelligence, it was able to create itself. This is the alternative. There really aren't any other options. And this is not some alternative faith, but that's what the suppression of the truth looks like. That mankind is such a sinful state that there is a denial that God created everything. And the alternative is, I I don't know how everything got here, but it's always been here and it created itself. 
And we can't give academic uh, credit to ideas that say God didn't create everything. We, we can't give credence to evolutionary theory. It's really silly. And by making it complicated, Christians can back up and think, uh, well, I, I know there's a lot to the conversation, and I know that really, really smart people believe it and trust in that, and think, they think they know for sure that that's how it happened. And we read in the Scriptures, and we read that God created everything out of nothing. And just read Genesis chapter 1. One of the ways I uh, divert from Charles Spurgeon, he, he believed in old earth creationism, and I know that some of you may believe that. It's okay to be wrong, by the way. Um, and you read it, just read, just read Genesis. It's like, that's six days. There was, it's just it's six days. And seventh day, God rested. It's not that complicated. And how often we've seen in the last year where science, people, science has got to be, the trust in science has to be at an all-time low, right? I mean, Fauci is a scientist. Really? I mean, oh my goodness. And so, Science, trust in science is in an all-time low. Christians have this alternative. We, we, by faith, believe that God created everything, and it makes so much more sense. Of course, an intelligent being created everything. Look at the complexity of everything that is, and we see out there, certainly there's some things that we can't answer, and we can't dot every I across every T, just like nobody can about everything in life, but an intelligent being, God himself created everything out of nothing. And we, by faith, believe that, but it's also not blind faith, because I see it. I see it everywhere. And so do you. And anybody who does it is suppressing the truth and believing lies. Faith. We're talking about faith. And so we, we do a, a walkthrough. And what we're going to see is from the very beginning, we're going to go through the Old Testament. And some of this is chronological. We're going to go all the way back to Cain and Abel. And we're going to see Abel and Enoch. Then we're going to go from Abel and Enoch. We're going to look at Noah. We're going to see Abraham and Sarah. We're going to look at Abraham again, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph. We're going to look at Moses. We're going to look at a list of other names. We're going to see clear victories. We're going to see unclear victories. And we're going to see the work of God, again, connecting it all by faith. Abel and Enoch. Look at verse 4. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous or approved as righteous. God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found, because God had taken him. Now before he was taken up, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists, and that he rewards those who seek him. Abraham, or Abel and Enoch. By faith, Abel offered a sacrifice that was more acceptable than Cain. And through that sacrifice, by faith, he was commended through faith. He was commended as righteous, declared righteous. And Abel still speaks to us. Abel still speaks to us in the same way that Melchizedek still speaks with us, by the way. There's a connection there. We won't go into it in great detail, but Andy was helpful in helping me think through that. But Abel still speaks. Why does he still speak? Because the message that's observed in his Faith gift, his gift of faith is observed and it still speaks to us. Faith, faith in the promises of God, believing God. And what we're going to see is that this is in, in fact faith in Christ. Enoch was taken up by God. Through his faith, he pleased God. Faith again. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. You cannot please God except living by faith. Without faith, it is impossible. Works for God are meaningless without faith in God. Works for God are meaningless without faith in God. You can go out and do the things that God has commanded without expressing faith in God. And if you just go out and do some aspects of the law, and there is some commonality when we look at law codes, principles, wisdom, and ancient literature, when you think about the golden rule, you can live in a certain way, live and treat others as you want them to, be, uh, to treat you. You can live in this way. But living like that without expressing faith in God, you cannot please God that way. This is two roads here. You, you can live by faith, you can live by works, but you cannot, live, you cannot please God if you do not live by faith. There is no being commended as righteous apart from faith. Faith. Without faith, you cannot draw near to God. 
We have to believe he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. This is what the saints of God do. The privilege of seeking God, diligently pursuing him, is a privilege, as I said a few weeks ago, it's a privilege of the redeemed. If you are saved, the Holy Spirit indwells in you, you have a gift that people who don't know God do not have. And you have this great privilege of pursuing or drawing near to God. And what a privilege it is. We draw near to Him in faith. We trust Him. We believe in Him. The Psalms and Romans tell us clearly that no one seeks God. No one. When we think about possible contradictions in the Bible, we recognize that, as I've stated so many times, there are not contradictions. That Scriptures complement each other. When Romans chapter 3 says, in quoting the Psalms, no one seeks after God... It's making a statement about the nature of mankind. Anybody ever heard of seeker-sensitive churches? Okay, there's no such thing as seekers. It's a whole category of church for people that don't exist. Okay, so when you become a Christian, we're told that there's a reward for those who diligently seek God. That somehow there is a category of mankind that has access to this whole seeking thing. And friends, that's what you and I are doing here this morning. We're coming here to meet with God. We're coming here to encourage one another. We're not playing games with the Almighty. We're coming to seek Him and pursue Him and, and draw near to Him through the blood of Jesus Christ. We have this great privilege that others do not have. This privilege of seeking the Lord. Noah, Noah did this. He expressed faith. It's all over the place. You think about the conversations that Noah and his wife had after God coming to him and telling him, this is what I want you to do. Imagine relaying that to your wife. Men, how would that go? Honey, uh, I'm going to quit every other project we got going on here. I'm going to get the, boy, the boys and I'm going to build a boat. Oh, oh, that sounds nice, honey. Good, good job, Noah. Go do that. No, no, no. Honey, you don't understand. This is going to be really big. And it's going to take a very, very long time. Okay, what, what, like a year? No, no, honey. Um, God's going to bring the animals. He's going to flood the earth. And this is going to take, I mean, this could take like a really long, like a hundred years or more. Imagine how that conversation went. You don't think about that kind of stuff, but at some point, Noah had to relay this information to his wife and to his sons. Hey, this is what we're going to do. Come on, team. Gather, gather up. i got a huddle. Here's what God wants us to do. Imagine how difficult that would have been. Let's read about it. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events yet unseen. Again, there's that unseen by faith thing that he's going to have to believe by faith what God had said. In reverent fear, he constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. You see, it's not just Abraham who believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Already we've seen that it's Abel, it's Enoch, and now we see Noah, faith, counted as righteousness. And this is what Noah did by faith. He revered God, and if God, you tell me to build an ark, not just a little sea boat, sea vessel, if you tell me to build an ark, I'm going to build an ark. And after 120 years of building, the ark was finally completed. 120 years. You think about the faith that had to be expressed along the way. Imagine the highs and the lows. Imagine using ancient tools to craft a vessel that would float and have all those animals on it that was that big. Anybody been to the ark yet in Kentucky? Seen that yet? Isn't that remarkable? I encourage everybody to go there if you can at some point. It is absolutely remarkable. So the conversation goes, however long it takes, this is what we're going to do. Here's the dimensions. How easy it would have been for doubt to creep in. <sighs> Maybe I am nuts. Everybody out here says I'm nuts. Literally, everybody down at the water hole, everybody in town, they go uptown and drink coffee every day and talk about how crazy I am, and I've been hearing it for 60 years. And we're only halfway done. And i got to keep hearing it. My wife keeps going to the grocery store. They keep talking about how nuts and they whisper every time she comes around how easy it would have been for doubt to creep in. Or the sons, you know, when sons work with fathers, you know, 
we might, me and my dad used to work together, it was just a big screaming match for hours on end. It still is. Trying to work with him on anything. He does it wrong and he's convinced I'm doing it wrong. Fathers and sons working together. And I'm sure there were just joys in that. But I'm sure there were times where like, dad's nuts. Dad is literally nuts. Noah is driving, dad is driving me crazy today. And yet the persistence to live by faith. Okay, the ridicule, the mockery. You know, we don't know all the conversations that went on behind the scenes. But we know clearly that Noah had to express faith. He had the assurance of things not yet seen. There was the difficulty that went with the work. It could have stopped him. But he kept working day in, day out, year in, year out. Until the boat was done. It had never rained. Only dew was on the ground. It had never rained. And everybody else was like, this is the the guy is crazy. He's nuts. And yet... In faith, Noah lived as God called him to live. Um, you know, at different times in life, you know, there, you think about living in the majority or the minority. Some of your stations in life, a majority of the people you're around are Christians. And then some of your stations in life in here, a majority of the people around you are not, you're, you're around are not Christians. And it can be a difficult environment. And for some of you, if you work around Christian people... To believe the truth doesn't cost you very much. You don't get this. But I'm telling you, there are still places out here. You, you go on that university campus right here. We're a university community. You go on that campus and say, I believe the Bible. God says that I believe it. And uh, here's why. Friends, that, you don't get a pat on the back. They look at you like you're nuts. It's just how it is. And students, you've got to be prepared for that. By faith, Noah worked through that, worked through the difficulty, worked through the splinters. Imagine the stories. Just after 120 years working on an ark, he could have told the calluses that were on his hands and the stories that he could have told about the scars. That's tough work. It's good work. It's interesting that it's a type of work and to a different degree that Jesus came to do, working with his hands. Noah died in faith, but he lived in faith, even through the jeers and the accusations. What about Abraham and Sarah? Oh, we love Abraham and Sarah, the father of the faith. We think about Abraham. We think about Sarah. We recognize that there were major blunders and sins in their life. We get into later stories. We think about David, the highs and the lows. We think about Moses. Moses and David united in this one character flaw. What is it? Oh, they murdered people. You think about their stories. You think about Abraham and Sarah. And you read it and you just look. Okay, they're, they're normal people. They're making mistakes. They're sinning. And yet, they're men and women of faith. This is how it's going to be for us. God doesn't do amazing things through the life of people because they're flawless or perfect. He does amazing things through the life of people who have God-given faith and express it. And we see that in Abraham and Sarah. Look at verse 8. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out of the place that he was to receive as an inheritance, out to the place that he was received as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in a land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead. How about that for tact? <laughs> Abraham was so old, he was as good as dead. And Abraham like, hey, come on. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead, were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. Abraham and Sarah lived by faith. By faith, Abraham left not knowing where he was going. He left everything. He was looking for the city of God. Sarah trusted her husband. Think about that conversation. You think about the inside fly in the wall moment with Noah and his wife. Think about Abraham and his wife. We're going to leave the land that we know that we're familiar with. We don't know where we're going. You're saying that God came to you and told you to uproot our entire family, our livestock, everything in our household and move. And he hasn't told us yet where we're going. Are you kidding how many of you today, and this is not going to happen because this is a different and unique situation, but if, uh, 
you know, you came to your wife and said, here, honey, here's what we're going to do. I don't know where we're going. Don't have a plan, but we're going to uproot and move everything. We're going to sell the house, sell everything, and I don't, don't know where we're going. Like, well, wait a minute. What? You don't have a plan? You don't know where we're going? And this is the patriarch Abram, Abraham, Abram at the time, called to live in faith, not knowing where he's going. He said, yes, Lord, I'm going to go. By faith, he walked in to the promised land, not knowing where he was going, trusting that God would lead. Sarah believed God. She obeyed her husband. She believed and conceived. This is just an amazing. There's so many stories like this throughout the Bible of women who were barren and yet God opening their wombs. We don't understand all the ins and outs of how that works, but we know the specific promise given to Abraham was that through your descendants and, and Sarah believed this, that they were going to have a son. Even though she laughed, God still did a work through their faith. And we see that their literal descendants are as many as the sand of the sea on the seashore. How many grains of sand are there out there? I mean, you get a handful of sand. And through this one family, okay, I'm not just talking about the ethnic Jews here. We're talking about the family of faith. Think about how many in the family of faith came from Abraham. One family. And from that one family, boom. It's amazing. Sarah was past the age. She was an older lady. Abraham was so old, he was as good as dead. And yet she received power to conceive. Apparently he had a little bit of energy left. God did a work by faith. These died in faith. Verse 11. All these died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of the land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. See, these died in faith. They did not receive the things that were promised. They saw... We think about eternity here. They saw through this earth and they saw to eternity. It's like this earth was a lens. Everything that's temporary, everything in this temporal world was like a lens. And they could see through it and see there's heaven realities here. But through there is the land that I'm going to. And they looked there. They saw it. And in faith, were on the journey. They died in faith. They didn't yet receive that in this earth. All the promises, some of which we get to receive. But in this instance, we're just like them. We also are looking ahead into a kingdom, a better country. We will die in faith, looking forward as well. And as he is not ashamed to be called their God, he's not ashamed to be called our God. We are as children as were they. And we look for a better day. We're strangers and exiles. And you know me, and, and depending upon... You know, there, there are different ways to see this physical universe as Christians that are, are orthodox. We should be living as God would have us live, not burying our talents in the ground. And we should be building and seeing God establish the work, His work through the fruit of our hands, the fruit of our labor, just His work being established around us. But no matter how much that work is established, we have to see through this earth that God created and see eternity behind it and, and long for that day that Christ is going to return and establish His kingdom in full force. We're living for another kingdom we, we, are, we are, in this life, temporal beings. Like we're, we're gonna, th- this flesh and b- blood will die. And yet, this flesh and blood will be resurrected. And we're looking for that better city, that heavenly city. We, just like they, have a God that's not, a be, not ashamed to be called our God. What about Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph? Let's think about Abraham again. This is another angle from Abram. Abraham as he offered up Isaac, verse 17. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he had received the promises was in the act of offering his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. By faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of his sons, each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the Exodus, the Israelites, of the Israelites, and gave direction concerning his bones. By faith, Abraham offered up Isaac. 
knowing that he was going to receive him back. You know, you read the story in Genesis and Abraham, Abraham says, I'm going to come back with the boy. He was confident he was coming back down that mountain with his son. He was willing to lift the knife, willing to do what God had called him to do, but he knew he was coming back down with his boy. And this is what was told to us in the book of Hebrews. That one way or another, whether he came back down, whether God provided an alternative way, or whether he was in fact risen from the dead right there, he knew he was walking back down that mountain with his son. The confusion that could have been there and thinking about, wait a minute, God, this is the promised one. This is the child of faith. This is the one who you promised to me, the descendants, as much as the sand on the sea and the stars in the sky, they're coming through this boy. And although it wasn't his only son, it said it's his only son for a very intentional reason. It's pointing us to the only son, Jesus Christ, the true sacrifice. And we see that Abraham was willing to do this, to offer up Isaac. Another interesting conversation to be a part of. Isaac, climb up on that, climb up on that, that altar, son. Climb up on it. God's going to provide. Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. What made the blessings of the patriarchs so effective? What made them such a big deal? You ever read that in the Old Testament and think, why was the blessing upon Jacob and Esau, why was that so powerful that he couldn't bless them in the same way? There was still blessing that came upon them both, but in a different way. Why is it that this birthright, and how did all this stuff go together? Why is it that the blessing of the sons from Jacob to the twelve sons, why is that so effective? Why were those blessings there in that way, the way they were? Why was that irrevocable? And it was because it was done in faith. Jacob passed on these blessings that were promised through his sons in faith. In faith, we're told that Joseph, knowing the Exodus was coming because he remembered the word of God, that God would, would deliver them out of here. And right on time, around 400 years, they remembered Joseph, who the Pharaoh had long forgotten, and God's people still, and telling the story, and telling the story, and telling the story. By the way, how easy would it have been 100 years into slavery to think, why would we bring kids into the world like this? We're slaves, they have no future. How easy would it, would it have been for them to say, there's no future for us here, forget it. But they trusted in the promises of God, and if they didn't, they would have never seen the enemies of God below the sea. And they kept going. Nope, God's got a plan, he's got a purpose. And we remember Joseph, we're walking out of here. Wait a minute, does anybody remember where Joseph's bones are? Let's get his bones, because he didn't want to be buried here. He wanted to be brought into the promised land. And they went and dug up, dug up found his bones, wherever they were. They got him, and they walked out of that country and into the promised lands with Joseph's bones. Joseph said, don't bury me here because one day we're going back and I want my bones to be there. It's incredible. In faith, he knew the Exodus was coming. What about Moses? Moses is this interesting character in the Old Testament. Talk about highs and lows. It's kind of like the life of David. You get a snapshot of his life in a certain period of time. It looked very different than a snapshot of his life at a different period of time, one time in a palace, another time in a field. Um, you think about righteous indignation, you know, something coming up inside of him as he saw his people being mistreated. You know, we, we are quick to write people off, and, and, and sometimes I've wondered why God has used particular people, uh, why, quite frankly, why... Certain churches grow large. You look at the country and over the country and see very large churches or ministries. You recognize that I know of one particular ministry where the ministries exploded. And uh, it's not local, so don't be wondering who's he thinking about. And I know this man is unqualified. And wonder, God, why, why is it that... And you realize that God is using us in spite of us. So, so often... Anything that God does through my life, it's not because I've, I've got anything to beat my chest about and say, Jared Sparks is the man here. No, 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 no. Anything that God does in your life through me, is that God, it's in spite of me. God, God is not doing things because I've figured things out. And instead of wondering, God, why do you do this? Why do you do that? And, and certainly I think ministries that are built on people whose characters aren't great are going to eventually implode. But it doesn't mean God's not doing things in the life of people through them. And you think about Moses, this character. He took hands to another man and killed him. And other people saw it. And yet here he is. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months, verse 23. 
by his parents because they saw the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the edict of the king. Oh, man, let men and women rise up like that. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater than the wealth and the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured the seeing of him who is invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. Moses, my goodness, this man. Moses' parents were not afraid of the Pharaoh at the time. They defied the king. They defied the king. And they were not afraid. One thing that we need to keep in mind, we are to obey and honor governing authorities. We've been through this the last few years. Unless they tell us to violate God's commands. And when they step outside of their authority, we are to hold them accountable. This is another example that's all throughout the scripture. Civil laws that are on the public books, civil laws are theological. Civil laws are doctrinal statements. So when we get into conversations, we have to know this. And this is where we've been so, we talk about muscle entropy, theological entropy, atrophy, not entropy, atrophy over the years in the people of God. We have had such a malnourished understanding of God's word in all of life. So when, when a civil authority makes a law and they put it out there, that is a doctrinal statement. It's a, it's a statement that is over all of the people and it's either true or it's false. It's right or it's wrong. And civil, civil authorities are ministers of God. They're established to punish the good and reward the evil. And if they do not know the ways of God, they invert that and they punish the good and reward the evil. And that's what we've been seeing over and over again. The book, The Doctrine of the Lesser Magistrates, really highlights that well. The civil authorities that are in lesser positions have the obligation to interpose for the people. This is what we've seen all over the state right now with the unjust laws that have been coming down the pipeline. We've seen sheriffs who are not afraid of the edict of the king. That's a good thing. It's a good thing. This is Moses' parents. The law of the land was the children, the sons must die. The sons are a threat. Men are always a threat. Because boys grow into men. And nations hate that. Nations who are corrupt and want power do not want strong men. They want pacified men. They want docile men. They want dead men. They want men that act like women. They want men whose testosterone levels are so low and grip strength that's so low that they can't do anything. I wonder why is it that testosterone levels in men are from the year 2000 to the year 20 have dropped by two and three hundred points. There's a long game here and there's an assault on you men. It is, the, it is a real deal assault. And when corrupt tyrants want power, they take the battle to the men. And we see this with Moses. Kill them all. We see this after Jesus is born as well. What's the edict of the king? Kill them all. Get rid of the boys. Moses and his parents, Moses' parents weren't afraid. They were willing to submit to, unju- or to just laws, but they defied unjust laws. We will not let our boy be killed. Moses grew up and he refused to be called Pharaoh's daughter. Instead, he was willing to to be associated with his people and saw that more important than living in the palace. Moses grew up, like his parents, a boy with a backbone. Parents with courage, more often than not, raised children with courage. Jellyfish parents with no backbone that don't know what they believe about anything usually raise children that are jellyfish with no backbone and don't have any belief about anything. And friends, we've got... To display this faith, Moses's parents, you see it in Moses. And we see that the reproach of Christ was better than the treasures of Egypt. This is what we saw last week when we looked at the people of God and and these Jewish Christians who they were confessing Christ. And the cost of confessing Christ as a Jewish believer is if you confess Christ, you can lose everything. Your property is going to get plundered. And they weighed the cost, they counted the cost, property, possessions, or Jesus. And for them, it was clear, I'll take Jesus. 
And here is Moses. And this connection again between the Testaments, not just faith, but we see Christ in the Testaments, that he considered the reproach of Christ greater than the wealth and the treasures of Egypt. The reproach of Christ. Moses considered the, the reproach of the Messiah. This is an amazing statement. Greater than the treasures of Egypt. Yet again, we see this common salvation from the Old Testament to the New. Faith unites the one people of God in the Testaments. Christ is the only Savior of that one people. Moses was looking ahead. We look back. Moses considered the reproach that I'm going to get from following Christ, the Messiah, is better than living in the palace with power on this earth. It's phenomenal. Moses like parents, like son, was not afraid of the anger of the king. We've got to be men and women of courage. Moses endured because he saw him who was invisible. Endured. And by faith, he kept the Passover and the sprinkled of blood. Think about Israel and Rahab. The people of God and Rahab. Verse 29. By faith, the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land. But the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho came down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. It's just just stunning. By faith, Israel passed on dry ground, dry land. By faith, they walked through on dry land. They, They were redeemed out of Israel through this mechanism called faith. The enemies of God were drowned. It always goes bad for the enemies of God. It's just a matter of time. It always goes bad. And friends, we've got to remember that sort of thing. As we're looking to the heavenly city, as we're looking ahead, we've got to keep in mind as we're walking through here, it's like, you're going to be at the bottom of the sea. I'm not. Okay, we've got the promises of God. We're looking through all the madness. Building a heavenly city as we see God work through us as much as we can, but believing and knowing that we're going somewhere else and Christ is going to one day return and make everything that's wrong right. Rahab, the prostitute, did not perish. How about that? Rahab, the prostitute, being in the Hebrews Hall of Faith. It's even mentioned that she was a prostitute. Tell you what, you think, man, my past disqualifies me from from the things of God. Were you a prostitute? Okay, apparently being a prostitute doesn't disqualify you were you a murderer well apparently being a murderer doesn't disqualify for you disqualify you from god using you and somehow it's just still permeated in society that god uses really good people and if we see anything in this text is that it's, wait a minute wait wait a minute a lot of these people are dr jekyll and mr hyde here they're, they're one day doing great another day doing bad and as we walk with the lord there's greater in sanctification we want to be the same man the same woman wherever we are whenever we are but man you're going to have good days and you're going to have bad days and if you're here you know people in your life nobody's too far god's still in the business of saving prostitutes and murderers he's still in the business of using people that we discredit or discard rahab the harlot welcomed the spies god works in unexpected places and through unexpected people. Look what God does. Friends, we're running out of time here. And that's what the author of Hebrews says. We're running out of time. We can stay here all day. 32. What more should I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Japheth, David, Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms. Enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, remained strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. You see, friends, there are men and women of faith in history and time would tell. We could just keep going on and on and on. And this is what the author of Hebrews says. Gideon. He was a weak man, shaken in his boots, and he was risen up as a strong man. And the people in the end ended up chanting for the sword of the Lord and for Gideon. Terrified, weak, effeminate man. God builds him up as strong, a strong warrior. And through faith, God worked. Barak, Samson. Samson, I can't get around this. Samson pushed those pillars not to be a great judge. You read it. He pushed those pillars down on himself and the people because he was seeking revenge. It wasn't the most ethical way to die. Japheth. Story of Japheth, if you go and read it. Like, man, 
man sacrificed his daughter against the command of the Lord. It's just amazing that he's here in this list. David. It's interesting that David just is mentioned in passing. David, you think about David, you go through 1 and 2 Samuel, and it's like, man, this guy is incredible. He slayed his ten thousands. You connect the dots of all these clear victories. These names start to bubble up to the surface, and the victories are connected with the names. Put foreign armies to flight. That's David, man. I mean, Saul's killed his thousands, but David is ten thousands. Like, my goodness, David as a warrior was amazing. The prophets, all the names are completed, but consider all of these men and a few of these ladies. They're normal. They're just normal people. This is, God, this is God's activity in the lives of normal people. You're just like them. In fact, you're greater than them. The Bible says the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than John the Baptist, who is the greatest ever born of a woman before the Holy Spirit descended upon us. Friends, you and I are the people of God. God is at work in you. And we live by faith. What's the alternative? Distrusting God? If He took all your sins away, why wouldn't you trust Him? The alternative is, is pretty weird. We wouldn't trust the promises of God. We wouldn't believe what He says. We wouldn't live by faith. No, we live by faith. And look at all that's happened. Look at these clear victories. We're going to look at clear victories and unclear victories here. And both are victories in different ways. We're going to see this so clearly, okay? Through faith, what did these men and women do? Conquered kingdoms. Conquered kingdoms. Okay, people of God, you think like, you know, okay, well, we, we don't want to go out and, and by force take nations. You know, there was a time when the people of God did that. And they went in and they were the judgment upon wicked nations. I think that's probably also what happened with the pagan Native Americans when many Christians came over here and established a place here where paganism and Satanism went on for decades, decades, centuries, millennia over here. And what you see is conquering nations. Okay, this is what David was a part of. Okay, this is what the judges were a part of. Where they literally were going in and God was saying, I'm establishing my wrath against them through you. And you're going to go, you're going to spill their blood, you're going to take over their nation. And what the, the vineyards they planted, they're going to be yours. The house they built, they're going to be yours. And they did this through faith. They enforced justice. They obtained promises. They stopped the mouths of lions. Daniel, in the lion's den. Shut your mouth, lion. Hey, come over here. I need a pillow. Hey, lion, your name's going to be Ronald. Come over here. And uh, I'm going to lay down on you. Just wake me up in the morning. And the whole night, stop the mouths of lions. Quench the power of fire. Escaped the edge of, of the sword. Made strong out of weakness. Became mighty in war. Put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. God was with them. God is with us. Last week, I encourage you to endure. Step in. Start something. Build something. Go out. Start a podcast. Go out. Build a business. Come home. Quit your job. Stay at home and take care of your family and raise your children. Fill in the blank, whatever it may be. We don't have the money to do this or that. Trust the Lord to provide. In faith, watch God work in your life. And friends, every single one of us, every one of us, don't be afraid of living by faith. Don't be scared. If you do that, you're going to end up being Kenneth Copeland. Don't be scared of that, okay? You know, you don't want to be that, obviously. But live by faith, knowing that God provides for His children. Step out and trust God to do what you can't do. And when we do that, in faith, live in faith, every one of us has stories of miracles that God did in our lives. And sometimes we're like, my goodness, I stumbled upon that and God still provided. I didn't even know I was living by faith in that season. And look how God provided. He just took care of us. It's like God saying, like, you're screwing all this up. Let me just take care of this. We trust him and we watch God work. It's miracles. All this stuff. Clear victories. Miracle after miracle. You think Joshua and Caleb, they saw kingdoms fall. The judges and the kings, they enforced judges. Daniel stopped the mouth of the lions. Daniel and the boys stepped out of the fire. Gideon was made strong after being frail and afraid. We talked about that. David slayed his thousands. The enemies of God ran away in fear. Women got to see that God raised the dead. And 
the book of the author of Hebrews is like, we just don't have time to tell about all the other stories, all by faith. By faith, we may see revival. By faith, we may see repentance in our cities and in our families. By faith, we will see generations raised up behind us who love Christ. By faith, there's a lot of victory for us in this lifetime. In this lifetime, lots of victory for us. And then we see there are unclear victories, back to back. Connected to this, some were tortured. Verse 35, women received their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured refusing to accept release so that they might raise again to a better life. Others suffered mockery and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with a sword. They went about in the skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. There are unclear victories, clear, clear victories attained by faith and through faith by the God of the universe and the life of his people. Then there are unclear victories, faith expressed in one, one instance and the enemies of God scatter faith expressed in another instance. And the man or woman is sawn in two. Some were tortured. They refused to accept release. They refused to deny Christ. And naysayers would say, look, Christ didn't come, come through for you. It's an unclear victory, but it's a victory nonetheless. Friends, standing in courage, not denying the master who bought you and being sawn in two is victory. Chained and imprisoned, mocked and flogged. They stood in the face of their oppressors and it's like they said, do your worst. I will not deny my master. Faith expressed Stoned in two, stoned to death. The reality of stoning, being stoned to death, pelted rock after rock after rock after rock till you are dead. Killed with the sword. Clothed in sheep and goat skin. They didn't have the fashion of the day. Destitute, afflicted, mistreated, not accepted by the world, wandering without a home. By faith. Get this. Some of you get the first part. Some of you will get the second part. Some of you will get a little bit of both. But by faith, we will see courage under pressure from the saints of God. Courage. By faith, we will stand when everybody else bows. By faith, we will say in the face of tyrants, No! No! You can't do that. By faith, we'll walk into the furnace and say, God is able, but if not, burn us up. Come on, I'll walk right in there. By faith, no matter what the cross cost, we will follow Christ. You see, there's our uncertain, unclear victories. But we cannot say the first half of this, putting foreign army to flight, man, that's a victory. And then say to the others that were tortured by Christ that that wasn't a victory. That's a victory. Verse 39, all of these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised. You see, all of these were commended for their faith. Is that works with faith sometimes, guys? Like by faith, uh, everybody agree, wow, that, that was amazing what God did. And other times, faith is expressed and you still go to prison. And like Bunyan, you may sit there for 10 years, 12 years. By faith, when you make a stand, you may walk into the furnace and get burned up. And it's all by faith. Commended, counted as righteous by their faith. All of them were approved by faith. Saved by faith. Not by law. But we're told they did not receive all that was promised. Or what was promised. Did not receive what was promised. What was promised, we think about the book of Hebrews, the Holy Spirit, the anticipation of the new covenant covenant completed in Jesus Christ. This is what we have experienced. They didn't. We have. We've experienced what was promised. Verse 40. Since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. Well, what in the world does that mean? Apart from us, they should not be made perfect. Without us being included in the promises, 
they would have never come to the saints of old. But with us being included in this covenant promise, these promises are fulfilled and they are perfected. The work of Christ is for them as well. So let's tie it up and put a bow on it and call it. Conclusion. I want you to be men and women of faith. You already are. I'm fanning into flame here this morning what's already there. Men and women, we live by faith no matter what comes. No matter what comes, whether it's an apparent and clear victory, we live by faith. No matter what comes, if it's an unclear victory and it is at great cost to ourselves, we're going to live by faith. Because that's what God's people have always done. No matter what the cost, they're going to live by faith. And that's what the testimony of these great cloud of witnesses shows us. These are men and women of faith, and so are you. We trust His promises. We love God's Word. The Holy Spirit is in you, working in you. And no matter what, we believe the truth. We believe what God has to say. God does miracles. He's either going to calm the storm or He's going to calm you in the storm. God is either going to calm the storm in faith, through your faith, or He's going to calm you in the storm through faith. Both victories. Both in faith. If you don't know Jesus today, I invite you to be a part of a historic people. Come and be a part of a historic people that goes all the way back to the blood of Abel. And his blood still speaks because his faith still speaks. I want you to be in a long line, a legacy of men and women that we just read about. I want you to be caught up with us as the people of God. Repent of your sins and have faith. Believe in confidence in the work of Jesus on your behalf.